0: Well, good morning. How's everybody doing? Good well, good. Hey, if you have your Bibles, turn to Matthew chapter sixteen. Matthew sixteen. We're going to be in verses sixteen through nineteen. We're going to read along. Now we've been walking through this. You asked for it sermon series, and I want you to, to remind you. I want to remind you of of what we're doing. We're answering questions that some have submitted. Some have asked. I'm going to encourage you to, if you still want to to submit some questions. There are still maybe. Quite possibly a few spots left, but it may be something else. This one was actually the first one uh, that was submitted uh, to me, um, and it's going to be a doozy. All right? So um, I want to set the context, right? Jesus has been going around. He's been doing all kinds of of miracles and works and things like that. But in Matthew chapter 16, there are the Pharisees and the Sadducees show up, and they want a sign. And Jesus basically says it's a wicked and adulterous generation who wants a sign uh, other than the sign of the Son of Man. And so he talks about that. Then he says that the yeast of the Pharisees and Sadducees will work around. And what I want you to understand when we talk about this idea of the yeast of the Pharisees and Sadducees are these ideas of legalistic teachings that kind of creep in like yeast into the dough or, or what you're going to make into bread, right? And it's when there's any contamination that's not based upon God's word, but based maybe on tradition or based on the thoughts that they had, when that yeast contributes or gets in there, then the bread becomes kind of tainted, if we'll call it that, because it's not supposed to be unleavened, but it gets in there and it creates problems. Then there's this question, right? It says, when Jesus came to the region of Caesarea Philippi, and starting in verse 13, he asked his disciples, who do people say the Son of Man is? Right? Jesus asks this question of his disciples because he wants to know exactly what they're hearing people say. And I think it's important for us to ask that question day in and day out, because there are many people around us. If we were to say, who is Jesus? Who is the son of man? Most people would say, oh, he was, you know, by claim from Christians, he was God's son. Others would say he was a great prophet. He was a good teacher and things like that. And that's literally the answer. Some say, John the Baptist, some say Elijah, still others, Jeremiah or one of the prophets. But then Jesus asked this question, but what about you? He asked, who do you say that I am? And Simon Peter answered, you are the Christ, in other words, the Messiah, the son of the living God. And Jesus replied, blessed are you, or blessed are you, Simon, son of Jonah, for this was not revealed to you by man, but by my Father in heaven. Now here's the verses we're going to kind of jump on and look at to answer that question. What does it mean to be binding or what is binding and loosing? He says in verse 18, and I tell you that you are Peter, and on this rock I will build my church, and the gates of Hades will not overcome it. I will give you the keys of the kingdom of heaven, and whatever you bind on earth will be bound in heaven, and whatever you loose on earth will be loosed in heaven. And then he warned his disciples not to tell anyone that he was the Christ. Now, Today, in reality, what we're looking at is this issue of kingdom authority. In other words, whose authority? What's authority? What's it play out? How's this play out? What's it mean for us as believers? And as you look through scripture, one of the things you see consistently is that God gives his disciples authority in certain circumstances and situations that are going to build up his kingdom. Now, Tony Evans says it this way, kingdom authority is the divinely delegated right and responsibility given to believers to act on God's behalf. Listen, to rule over his creation under the authority of Jesus Christ. Now, here's what oftentimes comes up when we start hearing about binding and loosing. Maybe you grew up in the church and you'd say, poverty, I bind you in the name of Jesus. Or sickness I bind you in the name of Jesus. And while all of those things may be played out to a certain extent or a certain circumstance, one of the things I want to do is to look at what binding and loosing in reality fits or how it plays out in Scripture. See, one of the ways that God's authority is grasped and utilized is in our prayer lives. As a matter of fact, a couple of weeks ago, we did a a sermon on prayer. We talked about Second Chronicles chapter 7 verse 14 and I said prayer is the work of man seeking the power of the Lord to work in supernatural ways that only God can do. And likewise what I would say is that this binding and loosing aspect is played out by this that binding and loosing is given to man to the Christian man who seeks the power of the Lord to work in supernatural ways that only God to do that only God can do. Now here's what Oftentimes has to play out, or have to we, how we have to align ourselves with this idea of binding and losing. Binding and loosing is something that was given to those early believers in order to open up the authority of heaven here on Earth. In other words, to grant the authority of heaven here on Earth. God's already over all of those things. But what what those early believers are doing and what I would say we are to do is that we are to seek heavenly intervention into our historical circumstances here in our current setting. So get that idea. We are seeking heavenly intervention into the historical circumstances that are taking place around us. Now, this phrase, when we understand it in the context of the Bible will help us understand exactly what's going on because there are only two mentions of this idea of binding loosing. Matthew chapter 16, the one we just talked about, and in Matthew chapter 18. Now, Matthew chapter 18 is a very unpopular idea amongst believers for some reason, and it's called church discipline. a matter of fact, when churches begin to exercise discipline, you'll hear people say things like this. Well, the church is judgmental. Well, the church shouldn't be doing that. Well, the church shouldn't be coming down on people who are caught in sin. The church shouldn't be calling people into accountability. Wrong. Let me be very clear. The yeast of the Pharisees has crept into so many people within the church that when the church starts exercising church discipline, people in the church start going, "Uh uh-uh, not going to have it. And what we end up doing is we don't follow Scripture We follow our own ideas. And here's the reality, as we dig into this idea of binding and loosing, as we dig into this idea of dealing with sin, as we dig into this idea of what it means to live a holy life, then we have to begin to understand that there is an authority with which we operate under as believers, there is an accountability with which we operate under as believers, and so we have to begin to understand that binding and loosing is one of these things. So here's the big idea. Binding and loosing is done by the church exercising the authority God has given them through the power of Jesus to accomplish God's kingdom on work, kingdom work. So write that down if you want to. Binding and loosing is done by the church, by believers within the church, exercising the authority that God has given them through the power of Jesus to accomplish God's kingdom work. Now, There are a lot of things that play out because I want to be the very first person who's going to sit here and say, for you to sit back and go, poverty in the name of Jesus, I bind you is not what I believe the scripture is talking about or sickness in the name of Jesus I bind you is not necessarily what he's talking about. It's talking about the work of God's kingdom as we go through that. So yes, it could be played out in sickness and the fact that God may wanna heal a person, but that's not necessarily the, the aspect that's playing out. We're talking about the binding and loosing and opening the doors of the kingdom. In other words, asking God to do supernatural work that's already been accomplished up here in heaven to do it down here on earth. And so here's, there's three things I wanna look at today as we dig in to kind of identify what this idea of binding and loosing is. Number one, we have to understand the authority of binding and loosing. In other words, where does this idea of binding and loosing come from? Where do we get the authority? How does that play out? What's going on? And here's the big idea, right? Under that statement, binding and loosing is not a magic chant. It's not something you could just claim or a statement for you to get God to do what you want him to do. Like people in the past have misused this idea of binding and loosing as this idea of a chant or a prayer to get God to do what I want him to do. That's not what binding and loosing is talking about here. Binding and loosing is this idea of a powerful statement exercising the authority in God's kingdom and in God's work. So there are things and circumstances, situations with which God gives us the authority through the power of Jesus, because number one, Jesus created all things. Number two, Jesus died for all of us, and so we are given authority based upon the authority of Jesus Christ. As a matter of fact, I want to reference Matthew chapter 28. Right before Jesus gives the Great Commission, Jesus says, all authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me, not me, him, to Jesus. In other words, Jesus has all authority over everything and every circumstance and every situation and every problem, every difficulty, every struggle, every sickness, every poverty or person who's born into poverty, every person who's broken in or born into a broken family, whatever it is, Jesus has all authority. But hear me out, it's also played out in a legalistic term. This idea of binding and loosing is a legal term because Jesus is going to unleash some stuff here for us to understand. So we have to understand that the proper use of the phrase and whose authority is being used. And so if you look at verse 18, he says this to Peter, and I tell you that you are Peter and on this rock, I will build my church and the gates of Hades will not overcome it. But he says this in verse 19, and I will give you the keys of the kingdom of heaven. So here's the authority issue, right? We have to understand the proper use of this, and the authority comes from Jesus and Jesus alone. He says, I am the one who gave you the keys to the gates. The gates were where the legal process always took place. It's the legislating of God's work. In reality, it was the legislation that took place in the cities and the towns and the villages. It would be much to the day where we could say city hall and things like that would take place. But back in those days, they would go and take care of the legal matters at the gates. And Jesus says, I will give you the gates to the key or the keys to the gates. In other words, I will give you the legal aspects with which what takes place. So here's the important thing. Binding is this idea to restrict or to lock, to forbid. And what I want you to understand is this, it's to forbid with indisputable authority. So when we bind something, we do it with an indisputable authority. That's the authority of Jesus because he is indisputable. He can't be beat. He's already conquered everything, and he owns everything, and he controls everything, and he created everything, and he died for everything. So binding is this idea of restraint or lock, but loosing is this idea to unlock or to permit by indisputable authority. In other words, I can unlock the gates, or I can lock the gates. I can declare something allowed, or I could declare something forbidden. Now, there's a battle here that's taking place that we oftentimes don't look at, and when we see this idea where he says, "I will give you the keys of the kingdom of heaven," what he's doing is he's giving us a sign of authority for a trusted steward. When Jesus says, "I will give you the keys, to the gates, he is saying, you are a trusted steward, and when I give you these keys, you have the ability to unlock my authority in the things that you're doing, in the ways that you're working, in the way that you present the gospel, and how you share those good things through that. Peter was given the keys, and he unlocks the gates to the Gentiles so they could hear the gospel and respond, because God was for all people, not just the Jewish people. And so the authority of binding and loosing is not based upon you and I. It's not based upon the authority we think we all of a sudden have. It's based upon the authority of Jesus. And hear me out. We are only as good with his authority as we are obedient. Please hear me out when I say this. You have no power and authority to bind or loose when you want to walk in disobedience. Because Jesus is not going to give you the keys. The keys you may be carrying are going to be the wrong keys. You're going to be like, I got my keys. I got my keys to the kingdom. And Satan the whole time has duped you into thinking you got the keys to be in order to do things when the reality is you're doing nothing but working for him. Please hear me out when I say this. And, and, and we're going to kind of get into this over the next couple of weeks, because we're going to be talking about sexuality. And when we talk about sexuality, we're going to start where it hurts the most, and that's called the relationships within the church sexuality. And I'm going to talk from a standpoint of, of husbands and wives first, or... Let me even say this. We're going to talk from the standpoint of what it means to be a heterosexual person who operates in the holiness of Scripture. Before we deal with homosexuality, we're going to talk about holiness in the church. Then we'll deal with homosexuality, all of which, please hear me out when I say this, is not based upon opinion. It's based upon what God's Word teaches. So we're going to deal with those issues as we get to it. But please hear me out when I say this. I will give you the keys of the kingdom as this sign of authority for a trusted steward. And Jesus says, if you want to unlock the, the work of heaven here on earth, then you have to walk in obedience because it's the legal authority. And it is our job to bring the authority of heaven to earth. It is our job to present the truth of the gospel. It is our, our job to walk in obedience to scripture. It is our job to unleash the power and the authority of heaven here on earth as we share the gospel with those who are there. So we bind and loose under the authority of Jesus Christ. And keep it in mind that all authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Number two, there's the authority of binding and loosing, but number two, there's this access to kingdom authority. So we understand that the authority comes from Jesus, but how do we have access to kingdom authority? Listen to what Jesus says in verse 18, and I tell you that you are Peter, and on this rock I will build my church, and the gates of Hades, or hell, will not overcome it. This idea of I will build my church is is important for us to understand because this idea of binding and loosing comes as a result of having a connection or an access to the church. In other words, I am in connection, I am involved, and I am a part of the church. Now, I have heard people over and over and over again tell me, that's great, I follow Jesus, I don't need the church. And let me tell you how scripture looks at that. It looks at it as a yeast. It's a false teaching that has crept into our world that says, I don't need the church because it's full of hypocrites. Let me be very clear. Yes, you're right. A church is full of hypocrites because we're all sinners. If we understand scripture, we understand for all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. That doesn't give us the excuse to say, I'm gonna operate how I want to and I can operate independently of God's word or God's way. What it does say is that we are allowed, based upon Scripture, we are to align our lives under the authority of God's Word. And when we don't align our lives under the authority of God's Word, it's called sin. And when we are in sin, we are called to be corrected, number one, by God's Word, number two, by other believers. It's one of the greatest tragedies within the church is when we've said, judge not lest you be judged, so you don't have a right to judge me. No? No, read scripture. Scripture is very clear that brothers are to judge one another. In other words, a believer is called to call you to accountability. Now, how we do it, how we do it is a big way, all right? Let me be very clear. How we call somebody, because there's always the people who got like their nose in the air, right? And they're gonna talk down to you and, and they're not worried about the plank in their eye because they're worried about the sawdust in yours, right? We're gonna, we'll deal with all those issues, right? But how we judge a brother, or how we call a brother to repentance. Plays out. Matter of fact, we're going to talk about that here in just a second. So he says, I will build my church. There's this access to kingdom authority that takes place within the church. And he shows us that by this statement right here. Peter confesses, Here's who I believe you are. And Jesus says, Yes, that's true. And Peter, upon that, I will build my church. I'm going to build it upon the truth that that's who I am because that's exactly what it is. And he says, I will build my church. Jesus is going to build up the church. Now it's important for us to understand what that idea of church is or what that word means. It literally is a gathering of people. It's a community, a gathering and those who submit to God's kingly rule. Please hear me out when I all to Jesus I surrender. Wait a second here. Hold on. Let me ask this question. Have you turned everything over to him? Or are you holding on to little areas of your life are like, Jesus, I just gotta hold on to this. It's it's my weakness, it's it's my struggle, it's my sin that I just gotta have, like coffee. Right? No, not that coffee is a sin, but what I'm saying is, right, okay. <laughs> and we'd all be in trouble. Well, maybe not all of us, but there'd be a lot of us in trouble if coffee was a sin. But but you can't say all to Jesus, I surrender. But God, you just gotta let me have this part and hold on to it. Again, keep in mind what this idea is. It's a community or a gathering of ones who submit to God's kingly rule. When I submit myself to God's kingly rule, the Bible is very clear that I no longer live, but Christ lives in me. The life I live, I no longer live to satisfy my desires, but I live in obedience to Jesus. That's why when somebody says, well, I was just born with that. Sin. I I just struggle with this thing, and it's always going to be there. Yes, there's always going to be the battle, but it's never an excuse to continue to walk in sin. Never, in no circumstance or any situation, is there ever that excuse to walk in sin. All of us were born as sinners. All of us. All of us. Please hear me out. And it doesn't matter what your sin is or what the difficulty or struggle is. We all have sinned. We all fall short of the glory of God. But Jesus, very clearly based upon Scripture, makes us a new creation. He gives us new desires and new thoughts and new passions when, listen, we build our lives upon his kingly rule, when we build our lives upon his word. But when we don't, then the yeast of the Pharisees begins to creep in. And when the yeast of the Pharisees begins to creep in, then we begin to say things like, Well, I was born with that sin, so I just got to deal with it. I was born with an addictive personality, so I'm just going to have to be an addict. I was born with this problem, so I'm just going to have to deal with it. I was born to love women, so I'm just going to have to deal with the pornography issue. No. No. That's not the way it works. See, the church has been given God's authority to operate with power in the spiritual realm. Please hear me out when I talk about this. There's this legal aspect and always God's dealing with this legal, moral, biblical issue and Satan operates in illegality. Satan operates in this idea that it doesn't matter. Just continue to do it. You can do it. It's no big deal. And God's saying, no, that's not the way this works. You want to experience life and life more abundantly? Walk in obedience. Satan goes, you want to experience life and life more abundantly? Do whatever the heck you want. We are all called to be accountable. We're, number one, we're accountable to the Lord. Number two, we're accountable to the church. Jesus says, so powerful is the church that I'm building. Listen, that hell cannot stop it. Think about that. Let's talk about authority. Authority. Jesus has authority over all things, including hell, including Satan. And yet Satan wants to do everything he can to get us to do the things that we know we're not supposed to do. If you are disconnected from the church, you are disconnected from the legal authority in the spiritual realm that Jesus gives us. That's why when people say, well, I don't need the church, I'm going to go out and do things on my own. You're disconnected from the legal authority with which we operate in the spiritual realm. Flip to Matthew chapter 18. Look at verse 18 and 19. Now, I want to give you an idea of what's going on. I'm actually going to read verse 15 and following so that you can understand exactly what I was just talking about just a little bit ago. If your brother sins against you, go and show him his fault. Just between the two of you, if he listens to you, you have won your brother over. If he will not listen, take one or two others along so that every matter may be established by the testimony of two or three witnesses. If he refuses to listen to them, tell it to the church. And if he refuses to listen even to the church, treat him as you would a pagan or a tax collector. Now, let me be very clear. Who just did this or who just said that? Who said it? Jesus. Now, How we go about dealing with it as a church is huge, right? Verse 18, he says this, I tell you the truth, whatever you bind on earth will be bound in heaven and whatever you loose on earth will be loosed in heaven. So here's the idea. When you see hell defeating the church, it's because we're not building Jesus' church, but we're building our church. When you start to see hell prevail against the churches, it's usually because we've allowed preferences and sins and ideologies that aren't based upon biblical truth but are built upon our ideas and our ways and the teachings of the world, the yeast of the Pharisees. And instead of being able to stand against the gates of hell, the church begins to fall and crumble because in reality, it's not a church. So when we begin to deal with that, we have to understand That Satan doesn't defeat you with power, but rather with this illegal operation that he wants to sell you as a yeast. Look, it's okay. It's no big deal. It's not power operating, but Satan operating from a legal posture. He doesn't have the power. Jesus has all authority. Jesus has all power. Jesus gives you access to operate with his authority. So listen, The access to kingdom authority comes when I walk in obedience to what Jesus has called me to do. And number three is the ability to bind or loose. Listen, whatever you bind or loose must be done in unity with the church. The church is the authorized legal representative of God here on earth, of God's will here on earth. Now, a lot of people will say, well, what are you identifying as a church? Well, in America today, I'll just say that that's kind of up for grabs. But the church was the people of God who walk in obedience to God's word and who accomplish God's work in God's way so that we would see God's kingdom build. See, the apostles never usurped Christ's authority over individual believers, Jesus has all authority over everybody. And the apostles or disciples never usurped Christ's authority over individual believers. Never. Jesus' authority, Jesus' word, Jesus' way is always primary. That's why when I hear people say, well, that's great, the Bible says it, but wait, hold on a second. You're now trying to usurp God's authority. See, they never usurped Christ's authority, but listen, they were given, they were given, they were to do, they were to exercise the authority to discipline, and listen, even to excommunicate disobedient church members. Now, everybody right now is going, "Uh (laughs) uh-oh, is this a headhunt? No, no. No it's not. I want us to understand the ability to bind or loose and what this plays out and how this plays out in my life. It is God's will that people respond to the good news of the gospel and live holy lives. And so the ability to bind or loose comes as a result of our obedience and walking with Jesus. But listen, he says this, and it's important for us to understand because here's how that comes. I said, you can't do it apart from the church, Listen to what he says. I tell you the truth, whatever you bind on earth will be bound in heaven. Whatever you loose on earth will be loosed in heaven. And again, I tell you that if two of you on earth agree about, what's he say? Anything. If two of you on earth agree about anything you ask for, it will be done for you by my Father in heaven. For where two or three come together in my name, there I am with them. See, here's the reality. When we talk about this idea of Hebrews 10, 24 comes to mind. Let us consider how we may spur one another on toward love and good deeds, not giving up, meeting together, gathering a community of believers as some are in the habit of doing. The idea or the ability to bind or loose comes as a result of us operating in obedience to God's word in relationship with those who are in the church, so that I can bind and loose things That are taking place. In other words, I can bind sins in people's lives. I can bind as I pray for God to work that that Satan is not going to be allowed to work in those ways. I can loose God's spirit upon people. I can loose God's work upon the people in their lives. Matthew sixteen, in the context of the church, and Matthew eighteen is the context of church discipline. Are both things where we talk about binding and loosing. And listen, there is one mediator between God and man, and that is who. Jesus Christ, and so the ability to bind or loose comes from the authority of Jesus, and I have access to that kingdom authority as a result of obedience to Jesus, and I have the ability to bind and loose as long as I'm submissive to Jesus in unity with the church. See, in order to get it from heaven to earth, going through Jesus and doing it in agreement with two or three See, binding and loosing is only released, listen, by the authority of Jesus tied to the church and done in his name. I said this earlier, and I stand by it. The apostles never usurped Christ's authority over individual believers and their eternal destiny. Please hear me out when I say that. He never, they never usurped Christ's authority over the individual believers in their eternal destiny in Christ. But they did exercise the authority to discipline and excommunicate disobedient church members. For those of you who don't like church discipline, go read Acts chapter five and Acts chapter six because you're really not gonna like that part. Ananias and Sapphira show up and they're called on the carpet for lying and immediately they're struck down. And you're going to be like, what the kind of mess is that? That was the early church. And please hear me out. I'm not not standing up here like, cross me, and I'm going to bind you. No, I'm not talking about that, all right? That's not what we're issuing. That's not what we're talking about. That's not anything that we're trying to unpack. But God will only give you his authority when you operate under his lordship and in obedience with his will. God's desire is that none should perish, that people would respond to the gospel. See, the key for unity and effectiveness of the church is the binding and loosing. In other words, it's holding us accountable and relating us directly to the head of the church. And so when we bind, we bind the sins. When we loose, we're loosing the authority of heaven to work in the lives of people who are around us. The power and authority in the fight is not determined by what was going on in our battles but what's going on in heaven above because Christ is doing the work. So when I walk through the fire, I'm not going through the fire alone. Binding and loosing is one of those things that oftentimes we overlook and it's honestly hard to look at, but please hear me out when I say this. If you're fighting for your marriage, or if you're fighting for a holy single life, or you're fighting addiction, yes, you have the responsibility to do what you need to do, but that's not where the authority lies. Whenever you bind or loose, God will bind or loose in heaven, and so the authority lies in Jesus. The authority lies in his work and what he wants to do. But if you ignore, listen, the spiritual, if you ignore obedience, if you ignore the church, you will never walk in victory on earth. Never. No matter how much you try and bind and loose, if you ignore those things, you ignore your relationship with Jesus, if you ignore obedience to Christ and his word, if you ignore the church and walking in unity and fellowship together, because where two or three are gathered, there I am also, then you will never walk in victory. You will never succeed at beating the addictions and the struggles and the sins that you face when you try to do things apart from those. Never. And listen, there are some who want to say, I'm, I walk in obedience to God's word. I've built my life upon his word, but you don't get connected and you're not involved and you don't have the relationships with two or three. You're going to struggle because exactly, exa- I use it this way. Every time I go buffalo hunting, when the enemy shows up, I'll just classify myself as the enemy, all right? Okay. Here's what happens. When we show up on the hunting grounds to hunt the buffalo, anybody know what buffalo do? They herd up, they gather, and they get real tight. And they're all protective. And I'll just challenge you if anybody who thinks you're fast, go out there and try and get close to a buffalo. (laughs) Matter of fact, this last week, two people were gored in Yellowstone. Please, if you go to Yellowstone, for the love of Pete, do not go up to a buffalo, they are not friendly don't be an idiot. I love all these city slickers go out there like, i would get my picture with a buffalo. Are you stupid? You want to die? Like there was one this week, a guy with his son, his son got gored because he thought it'd be cool to get a picture with him and his son with a buffalo. it has got to be from New York. I don't know if he is, but I'm just, sorry. I grew up in Wyoming. I'm like, people are idiots. Like there was a lady last year who found a buffalo in Yellowstone. It was a baby buffalo by itself. She picked it up, put it in her car. Took it to the game warden. She's like, I found this guy on the side of the road. He's like, why didn't you leave it there? Well, I, it wasn't with his mom. His mom was probably like 100 yards away. You just picked up a buffalo and put it in your car. Sorry. Random tangent. I don't even know where that went. Sorry. <laughs> when we're in a battle, when we're in a war, listen to me. Christians are to gather up and we bow up and we stand together and we stand firm and we stand upon the rock. We stand upon the foundation of Jesus Christ. But listen how Satan wants to work. Because here's how we hunt. They gather up for a little bit and they're like, "No, they're not going to do anything to us. So we wait for one of them to walk off. And he walks off to the side and he wanders out far enough. And the guy goes, yeah, shoot that one right there. Oh, sweet. Boom. Bam. Down it goes. It's dead. Guess what the rest of the herd now does? They gather up and they surround it. Problem is, that sucker's dead. Ain't going nowhere. It's dead. Because you wandered away from the protection of the group, from the protection of the herd, you got isolated. And when you got isolated, you got sniped. And what you have to understand is that's exactly how Satan works when you don't want to connect to the body, when you're not a part of the church, when you're not connected because the authority of binding and loosing takes place as a result of the authority of Jesus and walking in obedience, but in connection with the truth and the connection that comes as a result of being part of the church. And you wonder why you don't walk in victory and you're always getting defeat and you're always getting shot and you're always getting taken out. It's because you're not connected. And please hear me out. It's the result or it's the the part of the church, listen, to always take a stand on God's word, to encourage one another. That's Hebrews 10, 24, right? Let us look how we can encourage one another daily. That's the beauty of it. And not give up or not forsake gathering together. So hear me out when I say this. Binding and loosing is done by the church. In connection, right, all of us together exercising the authority that God has given them through the power of Jesus to accomplish God's kingdom work here on earth. It is us seeking the will of the Father and asking the Father to do kingdom work down here through us in a relationship with one another called the church. That's the beauty of the gospel played out that broken people, that sinners who have been set free from their sin and yet still struggle with sin can walk not in condemnation because there's no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus, but we can walk in the freedom knowing that even when I sin, that God is faithful and just to forgive me of any and all unrighteousness when I confess it. And listen, he never allows us to stay the same but always calls us to walk in obedience and holiness in our life. Father, we thank you. We thank you that binding and loosing is not just something that is simple, but it is the authority that you have honestly granted us as a result of the authority of Jesus, that when we walk in obedience to him, when we seek your will, and when we proclaim the good news of the gospel, that you do the work. And so, Lord, I pray that softened hearts that our hearts would be softened to the truth of your word, that we would align our lives with the opportunities before us to see that binding and loosing can be great things that we can operate to bind the work of Satan and to loose the work of heaven here on earth. And so, God, we pray for unity within the church, that, God, as we do this, that unity comes as a result of us living and walking obediently but it also comes as a result of us acting biblically. So even as we think of church discipline and dealing with a brother who may have sinned, that it's how we go about doing it rather than doing it in an unloving way, we do it with great grace, speaking the words of truth. And so Lord, we pray today that we would align our lives with that. We would stand under your authority because we realize that the gates of hell will not prevail against the church that you build. Not that we build, but that you build. So maybe be people who are obedient, and would we build this church, or would you build this church? Because you have all authority and all power, all grace and all goodness, all love and all mercy. It's in Jesus' name I pray, amen.